Hey everyone, welcome to Inside Northumbria, a series of podcasts giving you a chance to hear how we do things the Northumbria way. Hello and welcome to Inside the Emergency Department, the podcast for Northumbria A&E. Uh, it's James McFetcher here, consultant in emergency medicine, uh, and I'm very pleased to have someone who no longer works in the department with us. Uh, hello, Rebecca. You all right? Hello. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Very good, very good. Thank you. So, uh, Rebecca, you were here three years ago, did we decide? Yeah, about three years. Obviously, there's been a massive gulf of time spent in a pandemic <laughs> since then but we worked it out it was about three years three yeah. years ago and yeah. that was part of your gp training and you're yeah. now a gp in Blythe. yeah yeah uh, a very good practice i have to say that because <laughs> it's the same practice my wife works at um but i thought it'd be quite interesting to have a chat to you because of your experience here mm-hmm. and now in general practice and as we know there's a huge crossover between yeah. emergency medicine and uh primary care yeah so before we get into that what's your memories of, of working with us well actually i had a few a little trip down memory lane coming in because i was a few minutes late which i often <laughs> was in the department and uh yeah and i saw a few familiar faces even behind the masks and that was lovely um so i remember yeah, doing night shifts over Christmas. And I've listened to a few of the other podcasts and Jack Cardcastle was on and yeah. she looked after us over Christmas. That yeah. was lovely. Uh, yeah. And just a lovely team. Everyone was so friendly. Lots of fun, lots of laughs. And I learned a lot, which, you know, Good. has helped me a lot in my GP career. So, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Um, and how long have you been fully qualified in general practice? So I had my, uh, you have your final exam as a GP trainee. It's called your CSA, okay. which is you go down to London and you have basically a, a, a GP clinic, but in front of examiners. All right. uh, so I was the last one to get that done before they cancelled all the exams for oh, COVID. Wow. So I got in the day before. And then after that, you had to do video consultations and things. So yeah. that was March 2020. So then I qualified wow. last year and I've been at Railway Medical in Blythe for a year. Excellent. Very good. For how railways have managed the acute side, because obviously there's... It yeah. feels very much like there's two parts of general practice. There's the sort of chronic illness. And I think so yeah. many people think of GPs as managing that. But yeah. actually, you do a huge part of acute medical stuff. Yeah. Things on, that happen on the day. Yeah. And that's where clearly we, we have that sort of crossover. So just talk through how Railway Medical Group manages those uh, acute primary care problems well they can come to you in a number of ways so sometimes you have an emergency that is just buried within your usual clinic so we'll have a morning clinic and an afternoon clinic so you know people will come in with a you know just a a touch of chest pain which then actually turns out to be an MI and they get shipped off to hospital or uh, quite often is the case you know you get emergencies coming through duty gp so you're on call say in the morning or the afternoon and you get emergency tasks come through when you're on duty usually it's things to do with palliative care so a, a macmillan nurse will contact you for something urgent something like okay. that um but in addition to that which i think is quite specific to to blythe we have something called the blythe acute service mm-hmm. um which your wife is often often does on a friday so it's yeah. often really busy when she does it um where if all the GP appointments for the day are taken up and the patient feels that their problem is acute and urgent and needs to be dealt with on the day, mm. it's usually in their opinion, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get added onto a long list uh, of telephone triage calls for us to do. Um, and usually it can go up to about 120. And there's only two GPs to deal with those through the, throughout the day. Plus, we'll have a, um, 
uh, a nurse practitioner and sometimes a paramedic in the afternoon to take take a few of those face-to-face -face calls off us so yeah we're, they come to us in three different ways so through our normal clinics duty gp and then obviously our sort of acute service yeah um but it's often quite surprising. That's what's so interesting about general practice is that, you know, you, you, we deal with a lot of chronic illness, but within that, it's just a spectrum because yeah. within chronic illness, there's a lot of emergencies, for example, with COPD and with asthma. So yeah, you just have to be on the ball all the time to watch out for, you know, anything that needs to be dealt with right now. And then what's the right way to deal with it in the community or an urgent referral or possibly involving a and &E and, yeah. and going up to accident emergency. And I guess after your time through here, there must be some things that you saw with patients uh, here that you're now seeing in that acute service. Yeah. And you know they don't need to come to hospital, but yeah. you've had a bit of experience through seeing similar things yeah. through our department. Yeah, uh, that's why the a and &E rotation of GP training is so important actually i didn't realize it at the time mm. but you start to realize actually there's only so much you can do in in a and &E, uh, unless they get admitted but actually you start to ask the question when you're in general practice you know if i was working in a and &E today what could i do with this patient would i would i actually scan them do they actually need a scan does that scan you know does that need to be done today do they need acute medical attention or treatment today yeah and it, it does sort of start to change the way that you think but it also changes the way that I refer people up to hospitals. So sure. I'll be very, very clear in my documentation and, and you know, my covering letter to say, this is what I think the problem is. Yeah. This is what I would like you to do if you think that's appropriate. Uh, and then I give that to the patient to take up to a &E with them yeah. just so I don't look like a, a fool for sending yeah. people up to, to hospital. I know one of the things I worry about a bit when we, the way we've set our systems up here to be able to see patients quickly and efficiently is they often get blood tests for example very early on yeah and i think sometimes we lose that skill in understanding who genuinely needs those blood tests because yeah. we do it essentially for time purposes as much as anything else yeah whereas in primary care you may well want some blood tests but you know you're not going to get the same turnaround that you do no. here so you're, you're often making clinical decisions without that back up without the information i guess yeah. that you get from the blood test how yeah. have you found that change well usually the the turnaround for bloods for us they normally get shipped off this, the next day and or the same day and usually the blood tests come in the following day so usually we'll, if we want a blood test and we want a result usually we'll get it within 24 hours yeah but often we we'll just go back to our abcd assessment if we're if we think that somebody might need a blood test that day or we're not sure just go back to your abcd assessment you know checking their blood pressure sure. checking the heart rate and everything like that and then if if we're worried that they're acutely unwell then we will send them up to hospital but you know it, there's that many tests that you could do so for example d-dimers yeah are, okay they're a, a bit of a bugbear for us and yeah. luckily there's a protocol which is put in place now that takes that away from us yeah that takes away dealing with that if we think somebody's got a dvt or you know something like or a pe which is organized the the scan for them we we'll give them the medication and then we we'll do the blood test and then we can deal with that the following day and yeah. then they don't need to come to yeah. to yourselves in terms of having to to weigh up if, if somebody needs bloods or not it is quite difficult but I think that just comes with experience. For me personally, yeah. I've only been a GP for a year and I think perhaps I sometimes over-investigate. Um, but if I feel like they're acutely unwell and I need this result today, then often I will just discuss with somebody sure. in ambulatory care or you know a surgical assessment unit or just send them up to the hospital with a cover letter explaining mm -hmm. myself. From working in A&E, I know there's a lot of um, 
not miscommunication, but sort of misunderstanding sometimes about why the GP has decided to send someone up to hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think sometimes if if there was that understanding there about how that clinical decision was made and how you reached that point, yeah. then then the person Clark and in A and E would understand a little bit more and then we might get bashed a little bit less. So yeah. yeah, it's always a shame when that happens, but I, it's difficult, isn't it? Because no one wants more work. So I, yeah. I think it's natural to kind of look at wherever that work is coming from, however appropriate or otherwise yeah. it is, and go, oh, if only, you know, that, that person hadn't decided to refer the patient to me at this time, then yeah. life would be so much better. Whereas yeah. that's yeah. just the job, isn't it? <laughs> We've just got to get on yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so uh, how about communication the other way from us back to you? You know, yeah. it's, it's not all one way bashing. I'm sure there must be times where you sit there <laughs> going, oh, yeah. what have a &E done now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I try not to because, you know, we just all need to respect each other a little bit more that, yeah. you know, we're all, we're not idiots. So we're all, yeah. we've all been to medical school. You know, we all know how to assess a patient and we've all been that medical student as well on the ward round with the consultant and the history that you've taken is completely different to the history that they take. Yeah. And so it's all just, you know, very variable. But in terms of communication from, from A&E to us, we do now get a discharge letter, which is typed, which yeah. is quite nice. You know, that the whole nerve center, you know, technology came in when I was here, yeah. which was good. Um, and sometimes we'll get very good letters not too detailed, you know, because we'll, we'll have a lot of letters to read and we'll have to read them quite quickly. But, uh, you know, just again, just very clear with what, what the assessment was, mm. you know, why, why the person's been sent home and then what, what the expectations are from us from that uh, assessment in A&E. And generally speaking, um, I, I think the, the letters from A&E, if, if there is something that we need to do or if there is a message that does need to be relayed, generally speaking, I think the letters are quite good. Good. Uh, good. So from my experience, <laughs> I can't speak for everybody, sure. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, de it's definitely something for us to understand the importance of that letter because sometimes it just, it almost feels like an extra part of the clerking. It's just, oh, something I have to do and forgetting yeah. actually we are communicating from one professional yeah. to another and sometimes there's really valuable information there yeah there? yeah especially when usually you're writing this letter when the patient has already left and you're, you're yeah. already looking at the pile of notes coming in and yeah. the long list of people yeah. to be seen and you think oh you know I, I need to get through this pile and I, I need to move on to the next patient but actually that communication is really important it can be brief you know it yeah. doesn't need to be in prose it can be in bullet points but it just a little bit of communication and then also the communication of the patient as well is really important i know patients will hear what they want to hear or the yeah. interpretation of the message might be a little bit different but just sometimes managing the expectations of what we can offer and then you know and vice versa if we see a patient in the department and mm -hmm. there is something quite complex that you know isn't going to quite come across okay on the letter yeah i will often and this is purely being married to a GP I'm sure <laughs> if, it, if it's within normal working hours I think oh, do yeah. you know just give the practice a ring because it'll be this is complex mm -hmm. it's potentially a problem if it's not communicated correctly yeah just give the GP a, a phone and see yeah. if you get a hold of them now yeah. I'm very conscious that there's someone on the other end of the line who we're hoping to get hold of who maybe on a visit maybe in the clinic maybe in the middle yeah. of the consultation yeah. and yet we're just going well yeah, I need to speak to them now because it's yeah. important for me now. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's yeah. your take on that? I, is that useful? Do you not get enough of phone calls like that? Do you get too many? Um, so I don't think I've had, I, I can't remember having a phone call like that, but I think that would be really helpful. 
if you've assessed the patient and you think that there is a message that is important enough to call the GP on that same day, then mm. that, that's obviously a really important information yeah. information for us to know so i would really appreciate that um i think sometimes speaking to your colleague um is sometimes better than a letter because you can then you know ask questions and you can yeah. get a bit more more of a gauge of how worried you know you know you are yeah, yeah. or or how not worried you are or or how the patient appeared in the department sure. you know and you can you can gather a lot more information that way so that, i think that's a great idea yeah yeah if you can get through which is another issue yeah there are issues with that uh, but i yes yeah, yeah. so, certainly for myself if it's four in the morning i'm uh, disappointed that i can't speak to someone if yeah. i feel i need to yeah uh, four in the afternoon i know it may not be straightforward but i've got <laughs> a higher chance of being able to get hold yeah, of someone yeah uh good okay um and so I'm intrigued by the the Blythe Acute Service, uh, and I know it's been running for a few years and has changed yeah. a bit. And the fact you see 120 patients a day is yeah. with essentially two doctors is insane. You know, we see yeah. 300 patients a day with a lot more doctors yeah, than that. Yeah. Um, that must be fairly stressful doing that. Well, it depends. So sometimes, well, there's a range of. Uh, you know, emergencies that you can see and mm. acute problems. Some of them are less acute. Some of them are very quick because they're emergencies and you, you know exactly what you need to do. This person needs a prescription. This doesn't need a prescription. This person needs to be seen and assessed. This person could be referred to, you know, urgent care center. You know, I think th those things are really simple. The, the times when it gets difficult is when some, you know, less acute problems, you know, okay. fall through the cracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it can be stressful. Um, we're, we normally work, you know, with another one of our colleagues, and it's generally quite a a, a positive day. You mm. know, it's, it almost feels it takes you back to those A and E days because yeah. we work um, with our doors open, so you get to sort of speak to each other, bounce yeah. things off each other, yeah. which you don't get to do so much when you're in a room by yourself. Sure. Uh, so, so that's quite nice actually, and you, you, once the adrenaline's going, a bit like an A and E shift, once yeah. the adrenaline's going, you can't just keep going, and the energy keeps keeps you going um but it, it can be quite stressful um and at those times again a bit like in any &E, the team rallies together so yeah. sometimes a few of the phone calls are picked up by um other gps who aren't on call on that day it seems to work quite well um good oh well that's really nice to catch up with you and find out how well you're doing in general practice yeah. and clearly the right uh, career choice for you you're, oh, you're enjoying it. it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i love it uh, i like being out in the community i like getting to know people getting a relationship with your patients uh working in a team which is nice uh yeah i look after it at one of the care homes locally okay. so that's really nice yeah and I'm enjoying it, yeah. And you're still keeping time for your dancing and doing a bit of, uh, oh, of online dancing, <laughs> I, I hear? Of course, I'll never stop. Mm. Um, actually, we did, um, a friend of mine does uh, something called P PULP, which is Physical Activity and Lifestyle Promotion okay. for GPs. Uh, that's based in the Northwest, but I've done a few dance lessons for, for, for general pra practitioners, which has been good. And uh, yeah, I'll never stop dancing. The children I teach are going to be dancing at the care home next weekend. Oh, great. So that'll good. be that'll be good. So, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> oh, thank you once again for that. I'm just going to finish off with one question that I ask everybody on the yeah. podcast. If you could click your fingers overnight and make a significant change to the NHS, money, no objects, practicalities, no objects, um, click your fingers and it just happens, what would you uh, choose to change? I think just having a little bit more time, I think, which I think everyone would love to have. Yeah, indeed. A bit more time to assess your patients bit more time to have have a nice chat with your colleagues and not feel like 
you need to run back off to go and do some work. Everyone just feels like we're rushing around all the time yeah. and pressured. So just a bit more time would be nice. Yes, it would be. Yeah, yeah. we could make that happen. That would be lovely. <laughs> Good. Oh, well, thank you once again. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you can make sure you don't miss any further episodes.